Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Amen. Praise God. Well, um, you know, how often do you think of Jesus and his nature? We see movies and films, The Passion of the Christ. I've seen many versions of different Christian films. One that I seen a couple of years ago really moved me. Um, Jesus was praying for the people that were just appearing out of nowhere, the blind, the lame, and coming to him, and he just wept with them, and he just hugged them, and he healed them, and I thought, wow, the, the na- Jesus' nature is so powerful. But I believe that overwhelmingly, Christ's nature is one of joy and delight. He, he rejoices with us. He sings and dances over us. When he's, you know, even um, in, a, in a book I was reading recently, he says that even in our sin, he's all the more drawn to us because he feels, he knows what we're going through. He says, I know you're going to be tempted. I know you're going to stumble in sin. I know you're going to fall. And my heart goes out to you all the more to help you. And so, but I believe this morning, let's focus on the, that nature of Christ, the joy the joy of the Lord. And I want to read Philippians 4, New Living Translation. From verse 1, it says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Iodia and Sintish. Now, I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation of those names. Please, Because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they've worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming back soon. In the the NIV, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the peace of God will be with you. Amen? Amen. You know, there's a powerful message in that passage. 
And I think it communicates the heart of what Paul is actually saying. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I, I would like to like you to meditate on this this morning or this week. Is Paul saying, if I can rejoice, then so can you? If I can rejoice, so can you. Because Paul had a pretty grim time of it, didn't he? And it's incredible, he's writing this letter to the Philippians when he's imprisoned. He had to rely on others. He had to rely on the charity of, of the church and his brothers and sisters and other people to get by. He even said, listen, there's no one, there's no one like-minded that I can send to help you. Did, Timothy did go. But I think Paul must have felt all kind of, um, I, I guess we would have felt alone. I know he didn't, but he was isolated. And Paul was unsure of his tomorrows. He knew that his life could end at any minute and he would be martyred. So, and here he's saying, if I believe he's saying, if I can rejoice, so can you. Amen. And so he's emphasizing rejoicing. And he's, 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 he emphasizes it more than once, three times and more. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. And our rejoicing, our gladness is of paramount importance in our Christian walk. And he said, you know, rejoice. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Why, why would he say it again? It's to place an importance on that. And I think he says that because he knows the heights of difficulty that will come against you when you try and rejoice. So it will be, he knew it would be difficult to rejoice at times. And so he's saying, rejoice and keep on rejoicing. Amen. Is anyone here can show me your hand if you found it difficult to be, be joyful or to rejoice? Gee whiz, that's surprisingly few hands. <laughs> I, I, I have found it incredibly difficult, as I'm sure all you have, to, to be joyful at some seasons in life. The Word does tell us that we will go through seasons of sorrow and mourning, and, and we'll go through seasons of difficulty, trials and tribulation. But there's something that Paul experienced that he wants to impart to people to, that says, you can rejoice continually in, in all things. And I'm like, wow, I wish, I wish I had the secret sauce for that. How can I experience this rejoicing? How can I rejoice always? And I put it to you this morning that the root of rejoicing always is being close, close, close to Jesus Christ. Close. One with him. Because Paul says rejoice in the Lord, and when he's saying it in that context, he doesn't mean the, um, our heavenly Father. He means the, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. So rejoice in Christ Jesus. So we're not rejoicing in just the person of who Jesus is. That's like me saying, you know, someone saying to me, David, um, you know, are you, do you, are you rejoicing over having Linda as your wife? And I'm like, well, Linda in and of herself 
I love her. Of course, I rejoice that she's my wife, but it's what Linda brings into my life. It's how she adds to my life. It's how she strengthens my life. It's, how, it's what she does, the care that she gives to me that I rejoice in. I can rejoice coming home to some lovely cakes and um, baking and a lovely meal. And, you know, so I re- that's what I rejoice in. So it's not so much that Jesus Christ, oh, he's got to be the object of our joy. It's what does Jesus bring into your life that we can rejoice over. Amen. So we're rejoicing in him. Remember this, in him we live and move and have our being. In, in him. He's not separate and distant and he's like this person that we have to stir, work up some sort of joyfulness over. It's because if we live in him, he overflows his nature into our lives. All of the things that he desires for us, he wants to give us a blessed life. Amen? So in him, in him we have hope. In him we have redemption by his blood. In him we have a great inheritance. In him we have forgiveness of our sins too. And that, that is what I I'm really rejoice over that. Because, you know... Not even, some people say, you know, you have a conversation with people, they say, I, um, uh, BC, as in um, before Christ, I was this, you know, absolutely, you know, vile, tearaway kind of person. But the reality is we, we still have the sin nature and, and, and we, he forgives us. So when, when we do sin, we go to him, we say, we, we ask him for forgiveness, and he forgives. We can rejoice over that. In him, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings, and in him, we live and move and have our being. So Paul is saying, be in him. When you're in Christ, you will have, you will have reason to rejoice. Yes. Have him close to you, so close that you can feel him. And it's like the scripture said, If you will draw near unto me, I will draw near unto you. The closer we desire him to be, the closer he will be to us. And sometimes you have to look at the negative context of something to get more meaning out of the positive. So what happens if we're not in Christ and we're in sin? Well, to be in sin means to be immersed in it in a way that all the various parts of our being, spirit, soul, and body, are all tangled up in this kind of sinful nature. Our minds tend to run to things that are sinful, and we dwell on things that are sinful. It begins to occupy our hearts and our minds. We submit ourselves to it. We can't, we can't resist it. We can't overcome it. It creeps into all the parts of our lives. And of course, the power of sin is the secret, secretness of sin and the hiddenness of it. So now that, that's what it means to be in that place. But to be in Christ is to be immersed in his nature. It's to be totally, your thoughts, to be totally occupied with thoughts of what would, what would Jesus do? Jesus, you're, 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 you're close to me now. How, what, how can you know, how do I go forward? Help, help me. You know, occupied with thoughts of him, um, being the blessedness of being close to him. 
Knowing his rest, when we're close to him, he gives us a rest that is so tranquil. It's not just like the earthly rest we know. It's a really deep peace and tranquility. And it all comes through just, as we sang this morning, surrendering our hearts to him, laying our lives down to him, bringing that bond ever closer together. Amen. And when we gladly surrender and gladly submit our will, then it's a place where it's going to be even more difficult or almost impossible for emptiness to find a little bit of room in your heart to get in there. And I think that the reason we struggle sometimes to rejoice is because we've got the remnants of, we still feel like empty or the past is still churning up stuff, or I'm still dealing with this that I've got guilt and shame over. And, and, and Jesus is saying, you know what? In him, in me, you live and move and have your being. Be in me so that there's no room in you for all of this stuff to come in and, and pitch a tent. You know, I'm going to have all of these rooms in my heart, but this room and that room is where my, I keep my emptiness. But Jesus says, you will not be empty at all because I'll fill you. And he will fill, he will fill you to overflowing. And even if you think you, you can't be filled anymore, it's like putting golf balls in a pot. You, you show a, uh, golf balls to someone in a pot and you say, is that pot full? And they'll say, yes. Then you begin to put marbles in and the marbles run down in. And then you put in little pellets or ball bearings and they run down in. Is the pot full yet? Oh, no, I thought the pot was full the first time. There's always room for more. There's always room for more peace. There's always room for more tranquility. There's always room for more of Christ in us. We just have to open, be open. Amen. Is it even possible to rejoice always? I only had three questions this morning. This is the second one. Is it even possible to rejoice? And most people would say, of course not. You can't be happy all the time. I'm not the same every single day. Some days my temperament doesn't lean towards being glad or happy. <laughs> and then what about my circumstances? Even more so, they're changing all the time. Every new day, new day, new trouble. You know? But, so is it possible that we can even rejoice all the time? Well, here, here I want to put this into your heart this morning so you can think about it. God gave us his word. He gave us his Holy Spirit. He wants to transform us so that we master our temperament. We're not slaves to it. Amen? He wants us to temper our temper, so to speak. He wants us to escape the mindsets that can hold us in perpetual depression, sorrow, sadness, anxiety, hopelessness, despair, and he wants to infuse us with the fruits of his spirit. Amen. So we can say, it's just, you know, I, 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 I'm interested in things, the four temperaments, sanguine, choleric, melancholy, there's another one, phlegmatic. So we all have personalities. We all have different personalities. And um, we all have different temperaments. But 
God brings us under his word and under his spirit so that we can sanctify our personalities so that they're pleasing to God and they actually become more, we become more effectual as people in the world when we do that. And you say, well, this is just my personality. This is what you get. I have seen, I have to say, I've seen people's personalities change. Like I've seen people that have a reputation for being really just, you know, stay away. I've seen their personalities completely change in Christ. They've given, they've given their lives to Jesus and their personalities have changed. So God, God can change us. Amen. And then the word also helps us to function independently of the circumstances that are out there. We watch the news and we, we hear what's coming down the, down the line. Oh man, these are going to be dire we're going to be in dire straits. We're going to have dire circumstances. It's going to be so difficult. And God says, your life in me is not subject to the circumstances in the world. Your life in me is subject to what I say in my word, and I never change. I have not changed. I am, I am unchanging. And so I think we, we, we have to change our mindsets. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy when you fall into trials. I certainly never, I'd get into the meanest, stinkiest mood ever. Oh, not, no, I can just, you know what? I can do without this. Can, today, don't, not today, not today, not today. You know, and, 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 and it can still be hard to not fall into that where, do you know what? Not today. And how many times have we done it, even with our kids? You know, you feel like you've given everything and they still, something comes up that requires more of you. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You know, for most, pe for most people, patience is a negative thing. It's a negative thing. Patience is a horrible period of time where we tolerate whatever the circumstances are until what we've been waiting patiently for is granted. So patience is not seen as a virtue. Patience is horrible. I, I'm, I'm treading water here, and it's, this is the, you're being so mean to me, Lord. I, you know, you see what I'm going through here, and you ask me to be patient. Amen. We grumble, we moan, we complain, we resent, we resent the waiting time. We resent it. So see when, 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 we're, when our patience is being tested, there's two ways you can go. You can resent it or you can embrace it. You can embrace it and let it work, have its perfect work in you or you can resent it. Because we want things to happen in our timing. Now, I'm, I've got to say uh, and empathize 
difficult circumstances are not enjoyable. I don't think we're in the mood often for rejoicing when we go through trials. But what if we could just change our attitude towards circumstances? Then the trial can become profitable. It can, there's some good can, you know, this is, this is one thing we believe in this church. We believe that we work towards positive outcomes. It might not look like anything is happening, but there's a positive outcome coming. Even when we don't see him, he's working. Even when we don't hear him, things are going on. We just keep our faith, hope, and trust in God, and we know that there will be a positive outcome. Amen? Jesus was our perfect example. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set. So there was joy rejoicing on the other side of what most of us will never need to face. Well, we will never face because he's already faced it. He's already done it. We'll never have to face it. But he endured it. And there's, there's going to be moments of darkness. There's going to be moments of darkness. But Jesus came to give us the gift of light and life. And I believe that Paul, just like Paul in Philippians, he, he was... He was growing progressively to a place where there was a continuity of rejoicing and gladness. It was as if the, the light and the life that Jesus had put into his life was coming to a place of unbrokenness. So instead of the empty room or the dark place or the absence of light, he was progressively, through his sufferings, he was getting to a place of, do you know what? There seems to be light all the time. There seems to be rejoicing all around. And even when he couldn't find, I suppose, I, I, I can't say for sure, but he found something to look, see the joy in. So he even seen the joy in the people that he was reaching out to. When he got good news back, he, that was a reason for rejoicing. So he had so many reasons for rejoicing. Amen? So the Bible's clear. We're going to go through seasons of sorrow and of joy. But Jesus is with you, irrespective of seasons. He's all the more tender with us when we're in grief and sorrow. And staying in close communion with him will enable us to give thanks, not for every circumstance, but in every circumstance. To see the good in situations that appear to be hopeless, Broken family situations that appear hopeless. There's a positive outcome. There's a, there, there, there can be a good end to it. Amen. Isaiah 51, it says, The redeemed of the Lord will return and they'll come with joyful shouting to Zion. Everlasting joy will be on their heads and they will obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Amen. Yes, amen. So our, just even being redeemed, just even our redemption, just even our salvation is enough for like rejoicing. Yes. That in and of itself, if we had nothing else to be thankful for, we could rejoice because we are saved. Amen. Yes. Amen. Draw on reasons to be glad. You know, reasons to be cheerful. So we could write a book on that one. 
you know, looking for reasons to be cheerful. But we can. People have, God has people for your life. Be, be glad about them. Rejoice over them. The people that came close to you and drew alongside you to encourage you. Amen. When you hear of a small victory in someone else's life, rejoice with them. Paul, when, he, when Paul heard that the church was growing in Christ-likeness and the church was doing well, that added for his reasons to be joyful. It's like that um, Nelson Mandela. When you look up through the prison cell, what do you see, stars or bars? You can see the bars or you can look through them. Amen. And the final one, do I have to rejoice? Do, must I? Do I really have to rejoice? I, I, I might get some hate mail for this one. Yes. Many times we just simply have to obey. Overcome the resistance to the command. And we're, are we commanded to pray? There's many things in God's word that, we're, that are actually, we take them as suge divine suggestions, but they're divine commandments. And sometimes in, in, it's, in the, it's in the obedience. It's in the obedience we overcome the resistance. Like, I bet you there were people this morning that did not feel like coming into church this morning to praise God. And the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So, if you've been wearing your sackcloth all week and your hair is gray and it's not because you're old, it's because of the ashes you've put through your head. I, I, you know, when you come in and you say, I'm, going to, I'm deciding to praise, I'm deciding to rejoice this morning, I believe it's like God says, I see your heart. He reaches down, he pulls the sackcloth off and he puts on a, ra a colorful robe on you, the garment of praise. The garment of praise, the garment of praise, I don't know what the garment of praise looks like, but I've got a, a fantastical imagination of what the garment of praise looks like. It, it'll be amazing. But I believe it means to clothe yourself in rejoicing and gladness. And it's bright and it's attractive and it rubs off on your neighbor and they turn around and say, you're a wee bit too happy this morning, aren't you? And you say, no. And uh, you know what? There's so much social engineering that goes on these days. We don't hype anything here. You don't co you're not coerced into anything. Let it come from a spring inside you. So it's not all right. The Bible does say, stir yourself up. And to some degree, I and Pauline, and we're we here to stir you up, but come to church stirring yourself up, ready to praise, ready to shout. Jericho, on the tithes little video, Jericho, the thing, the thing after all the patience, you know, they could have walked around there playing their, you know, the drums, the trumpets, and oh man, again, no, no, another time. <laughs> We've already done, walked around this city five times. Again, but on the seventh time, they stopped, they stood up and they blew and they shouted and the walls of the city collapsed. Amen. So, hallelujah. Do you have to rejoice? Yes. Don't let a spirit of grief dominate your life for too long. Instead of emphasizing rejoicing, why didn't Paul emphasize any of the other things that aren't good? Um, be a good person, and, I, and again I say to you, be good. 
Be a kind person, and again, I say to you, be kind. Why did he pick rejoicing over all of this kind of stuff? Amen? Why didn't he pick some other selfless act that we could do? I don't think he picked any of those because he, knew, he knows that power is released when you rejoice. The enemy can, the, the devil cannot stand to see you happy. The enemy cannot stand to see you rejoicing in the face of trial. He can't stand it. He cannot stand it. It's so powerful to be happy in the face of adversity. It's so powerful. And that is why I believe that he said that, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It says there in verse 10, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared, something we're preparing to do in the very near future. This is a sacred day before our Lord, so don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy, you see, in, in Ezra was called to come to all the people. They, here's all the people that are going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And Ezra comes and all the people gather together. And Nehemiah says, begin reading the word. So Ezra takes the, the, the law of the book of Moses and begins to read that to the people. And as they begin to hear it, the Holy Spirit is, say, is, 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 I believe, the Spirit of God working through Ezra to help them to understand it, not just hear it, but to understand it. And the Bible says that they all began to cry and weep when they understood what the Word was saying to them. It was in getting the understanding of it that they began. But then they said, no, hang on, this is a holy day. Something new is happening here. We're just about to rebuild. So let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Amen? So they began to see who they truly were in light of who they were to Yahweh, to Jehovah. Like, we're not just this miserable people that are crushed under the law. We are just about to start rebuilding the walls of the city. And how are we going to do that? Well, the way you're going to do it is my joy is going to be your strength. So there, we... we the, the Spirit of God is wonderful. He, 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 if we can just get perspective, because we look and we see giants, but God sees nothing. That's it as nothing. Amen? So he says, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. The, 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 the strength to be kind, the strength to be patient, the strength to be selfless comes from joy itself. And that's a joy that's rooted deeply in the love of Jesus. Amen. So we, we will have the strength to build together. I declare that this church is a happy church. Yes. That we'll have the strength to build together and enlarge the church and save souls because of the joy that comes from serving him. Paul had to say to those two, I don't know why it was two women, it could have been two men. He has to say in his letter to these two ladies, um, you need to settle this disagreement. <laughs> you need to sort this out, ladies. But I'm, 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 I'm joking. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the joy of the Lord that helps us to build together. It's the joy of the Lord that helps us to, to, put, to, to overcome offense. When, you know, if, 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 if you walk in past the, into church and, and, and there's someone and it's like, mm, mm, our paths, no, mm, mm, we don't cross. We stay far away. 
it's like, I believe God is saying this morning that you're going to lay things down, that your heart is going to soften and you'll, forg you'll forgive those. You will, you will forgive one another, that we'll forgive one another. Yes. Amen. 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 And finally, you have to rejoice because if you're a gloomy Christian, it's a bad advert for the faith. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. If we are the doom and gloom of co-winning, it's like, I think you should come to church on Sunday. It'll really cheer you up. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Let our countenance, let our re rejoicing will change your countenance. We've got a saying in the west of Scotland, maybe it goes further than that. He's got a, f a face like sewer plumes, or it's like he's sucking sewer plumes, or something like that, you know? Or a face like a melted welly, or I don't know. <laughs> but but we we rejoicing, it just changes everything. Amen. So this morning, I want to encourage you, don't entertain rebellious thoughts. The hardness that's in our heart, we prayed this morning, Holy Spirit, soften our hearts. When there's an occasion for rejoicing, rejoice. Don't boycott the party like the, the parable of the prodigal where the elder son, he went off in a sulk, a huff, because everyone else was killing the fatted calf and having a party. Rejoice. Rejoice with one another. Choose to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Weep with those who weep. Amen. We can be the sulky older brother if we want to be, murmuring and complaining. But the more intense the rejoicing, sometimes the more intensely we can despise the goodness of God. It's, it's funny that, isn't it? The more people are getting on and getting on and doing good, the more we despise the things of the Lord. And he wants to change our hearts in that department. He wants us to rejoice. He doesn't want us to be rebellious. Lamentations 1.20 says, My spirit, Lord, how, look how distressed I am. My spirit is deeply disturbed and my heart is overturned and has no rest. For I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword kills and bereaves, and in this house, there is famine, disease, and death. So what does rebellion bring? Famine, disease, death, destruction. No rest, no peace. That is what a rebellious heart brings. And God calls us to submit first and foremost to him, to his word. And he asks us also to submit to one another, defer to one another. Give honor where honor is due. Let us get the church in its right uh, order again. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this. I know it's been a long message, but I believe you'll leave here built, built up. Earthly joy, earthly joy is short-lived. It's for the here and the now. But if we hold on to hope, then the hope of eternity will produce a joy in you that will outlast this life. Amen. It'll carry you into eternity. And hope is amazing. Hope is like, do you know what? I know that I know that I know something good is going to happen. It's like stand, it's like our kids at the top of the stairs on Christmas, mor on Christmas morning. 
when they were small. They're all away now. But when they, were, they stood there knowing that something good was about to happen, soon as mom and dad swung that door open, they were going to go and get a gift. And they, we, their hope was not disappointed. We never let them down in that department, not never. And you know what? God will not let you down. Your hope will not be disappointed. Don't hold on to earthly things to give you joy. Look forward to the hope of the hope of eternity. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.